I like the, the death metal introduction. Welcome, everybody, to the Cafe Hangout. I am John Pollock, along with Waiting, here with you for the next hour or so, as we have tons of news to get into. We're also going to be taking your phone calls. We'll be going through the Money in the Bank show that is coming up this weekend, and lots of news here on this Thursday. And coming off of Wednesday's announcement, uh, I thought it'd be a great chance to have our guest on the show. Of course, we know about the AEW announcement with TNT uh, coming to the network later this year. We're going to get into all of the specifics of that. Uh, a pleasure to welcome to the Cafe Hangout, someone who has been on top of this story uh, throughout the last number of months. Uh, you know his work from The Wrap. He is Tony Maglio, who joins us on the Cafe Hangout. Tony, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. So uh, it's been just over 24 hours since the deal was officially announced. Uh, you reported on this last week, and you've been covering this story uh, pretty consistently throughout. And it's always interesting to watch these television negotiations. And I guess as the press release came out, the announcement w was made on Wednesday, and you've had a day to kind of look at the reaction. Uh, what is kind of that reaction you've heard both in the industry and from fans about the, this prospect of bringing professional wrestling back to TNT. Well, I mean, fans seem, you know, totally stoked, which I would imagine. So a lot of fans obviously are built in fans of the being the elite guys. Uh, and some of them are just pro wrestling fans and want to see more content. And while I, you know, acknowledge that I have not, watched a heck of a lot of, you know, Cody stuff outside of WWE and you know, as familiar as I am with the Bucks, I'm not as familiar with their in-ring work, but it seems to me the reason why I'm excited and the reason why I think the casual fan or the general fan or the mainstream fan is excited, or at least the reason I think they should be is because to me, the competition is nothing but healthy for WWE. So you may love AEW and what their roster brings. And that's awesome. And, and, and we'll get to watch that on TNT soon. And I'm very excited for that. But if you're just a WWE fan or even a more casual wrestling fan, what should have you excited is now WWE has someone breathing down their neck a little bit and a rising tide should lift all boats. So you better believe that Vince McMahon and those guys are going to be doubling down on everything to try to keep AEW in the rearview mirror. And so I think that is you know, fans excited and it should have fans excited. And in terms of the industry, you know, I think they're starting to recognize, the television industry is starting to recognize the value of pro wrestling. They've recognized for a while the value of live sports rights. And we've seen, uh, you know, NFL get huge deals and MLB and NBA and so on and so forth. And now we're kind of out of sports rights. And now what do we have? We have the combat sports. We have UFC getting a huge deal at ESPN. And then you had SmackDown getting a billion-dollar deal, and now you have AEW getting its TV deal. You know, we need live programming. That's what TV executives are saying, and they're looking where they can get it. And, and there's nothing more mainstream than bringing the WWE to Fox, and that is opening up the doors at all sorts of competition. Now, you know, not to get too long-winded in my answer for you guys, but, you know, taking, uh, taking Fox and SmackDown out of the equation here, the reason Turner has so desperately wanted pro wrestling for a while is because of what Raw and currently SmackDown has been doing on USA Network. That's TNT's prime competitor. They need to fight fire with fire. and That's why these opportunities are, are coming up for these, you know, what we sometimes call independent wrestling promotions. 
how long, in your opinion, has TNT been looking for an alternative like this? You know, we've heard rumors that maybe talks were as early as, you know, before even All In took place. Uh, from your research, what, what do you believe? My understanding is, well, they've been looking for something like this for a while. Um, before AEW was a glimmer in the public's eye. You know, they went through this with a few other uh, promotions that that they considered, but, you know, ultimately passed on. Uh, I believe, based on things that I've read, this is not my reporting, that uh, All In was maybe the big turning point. They proved to Turner um, that they could be the league or the promotion that they're looking for. So, you know, the AEW stuff, these negotiations obviously have been going on for months and months and months. They've been going on for a very long time. And AEW is still obviously quite relatively young, but Turner has been looking for an alternative to WWE programming for years now. You know, it, I, I guess I, it, here's the point, the part where I should say, of course, we used to have WCW on Turner and we all know that. Um, and then there was this big gap. And mm -hmm. now they, you know, the, the rights for such, you know, a live event programming 52 weeks a year are so valuable to these companies that it's it's just a matter of finding the right one. And, and clearly they think they found the right one. So from from the deal of what was announced Later this year, they have not uh, earmarked a, a night of the week yet, but uh, we're led to believe live two hours each week. Is there a night of the week, Tony, just that, that you're looking at things that, that make sense uh, more so than others? Well, they're not going to compete with WWE, or at least my assumption is that they shouldn't try to compete head-to-head -head with WWE, so that eliminates Monday, that eliminates Friday. Uh, Saturday is it's no man's land in terms of TV programming. So that eliminates that. Right. Um, you know, other people have reported that they trademarked Tuesday night dynamite. And I don't know that for a fact, but I'm taking everybody at their word for it. The only reason I haven't really looked into that too much is because the, uh, I don't want to say the smarter opinion, but you, you know, the, the next thing that people started to say about Tuesday night dynamite is wait a minute, this is on TNT. This is, that's an NBA night on TNT. They're sure. not getting rid of NBA programming. So, all that said, it seems to me that the smartest thought right now is Wednesday because Thursday you have football too. So if you want to launch this in the fall, which is what the plan is, is going to be, they're not going to want to compete with football. They're presumably not going to want to compete with WWE. They can't do anything about the NBA. That's already there. So let's say Wednesday. So going back, uh, Tony, for just, you know, as long as you've been following this story and, you know, it's it's probably gone through – many different stages of negotiations uh, from what you've been able to understand about the, the finer deal points and the kind of deal that AEW was able to get. Um, how, how big of a deal do you feel that th this was a, a positive for the company in terms of what they were seeking, which is obviously as fast of a bridge to profitability as, as they're going to be able to find, knowing that they're going to be in this for the long, the long game, of course. Sure. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not going to pretend to know every financial aspect of this deal. I think anybody who says that they do is maybe going a few bridges too far. Um, those of us who have been asking about it for a while, you know, seems as though a lot of the terms have, have, you know, changed during negotiations, which is the normal process. But where we're at now, we all seem to have the same general understanding, which hopefully is wisdom in the crowd, is that they would be getting paid production by Turner, which you know, we can kind of extrapolate and assume is $400 million uh, a year. Um, and so, and um, 
I'm sorry. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. I meant 20, 20 million a year, 400 an episode, 400,000 yeah, an episode. Right. I misspoke there. Apologies. Um, so we're all assuming that's kind of the case. And, uh, you know, in terms of, of a rev split, I know people have reported that, you know, they said it's a great rev split for AEW. And that may be true. I frankly don't know. But he's, the way that advertising on TV works is it's so complicated. It's probably a win for both in their eyes or else this wouldn't have happened. And it's probably not overwhelmingly in favor of either side. You know, mm-hmm. it's a what's good for the goose is good for the gander situation, which is if they pull in a lot of eyeballs for Turner, Turner is happy to pass along, you know, a nice healthy percentage of the advertising. And if they don't, well, nobody's particularly happy. So the production deal sounds pretty standard. It sounds like the deal that, you know, Turner has kind of gone back and forth speaking with different promotions about over the you know recent year or two. But, you know, what I've always been told this whole time is there's no way Turner is paying a giant rights fee. And I think when people have said that, fans have taken that the wrong way and gotten offended kind of on AEW's behalf. But this is not the NBA to TNT. It doesn't mean it can't be great. It doesn't mean it won't be great. It doesn't mean they won't end up paying a giant giant rights fee down the road. But it's a startup. Even if it's got the greatest athletes in the world, even if they could cut the best promos and they've got the money behind them and all this and that, I think having a healthy sense of what would have been realistic for AEW to get is makes this a victory for for the company. You know, this is a good thing. It's a great platform for them to prove themselves on and to drive up that rights fee. And for Turner, it's the best promotion. They felt it was the best promotion out there that could compete with WWE. So all of that being said, I think it's a fair deal. I think it's great that they're getting production taken care of because Mm -hmm. that was an issue uh, for all in. And I think we just kind of have to see where it goes from here. You mentioned that you know TNT was was in at least uh, interested in, in some other promotions uh, prior to the formation of AEW. Are you able to let us know what some of those promotions might have been? Um, well, put it this way, I can say that there was talks. Let's see, what am I allowed to say? So, I believe there were initial talks with NWA uh, at a certain point a little while ago. And I don't know where they've been back and forth of the uh, impact anthems, ring of honors of the world. But I know that this isn't the first promotion that they've had discussions with. It just became the first promotion that they've had very serious discussions with pretty quickly. Do do you think that a a lot of this this renewed interest, Tony, came out of the WWE's deals last year that suddenly – well, listen, pro wrestling is something that we, we want to explore more of that. Or was this this uh, a byproduct of uh, of something else? Does this all kind of resonate with those TV deals coming out last year and the, and the size of which uh, Fox and NBC Universal was willing to commit those dollars to wrestling programming? Well, I think yes and no. I think it's a, you know, to use like a kind of an NFL analogy, it's a copycat league, right? I mean, people see... You know, WWE getting a huge deal, meaning you know TV channels seeing that and distributors, and they're like, "Hey, that sounds like a great idea." Right. And of course, you know AEW or anyone else seeing the billion-dollar price tag and saying, "Hey, that sounds awesome for us." So I do think there is, you know, a bit of that. I, I also think, you know, it's just kind of this crush of competition on of many, many, many platforms competing for a very small number 
of, of shows or a small amount of content that can bring in live eyeballs, live ratings. You know, there is only so much. This is why there's the XFL is coming back and it has a TV deal. This is why they even tried, you know, the AAF or whatever, because live sports bring in live tune in and that brings in advertising dollars because you can't skip through the commercials. So, yeah, I think it probably, you know, made awareness of how valuable pro wrestling rights could be. Absolutely. Of course it did. But more so, I think a lot of times, I think a lot of these outlets or these channels or these distributors or these platforms, depending on what kind of content distrib- distribution you know, format they have, I think they, they look at it just realistically and say, well, ratings have been declining so badly. There is so much competition for scripted and unscripted programming. What brings in live viewerships? And it's sports and news. Now, here's... Uh... An interesting question, because for for a lot of people listening to this show, when AEW is putting out their mission statement that they are going to be something very different for the wrestling fans and kind of going a different direction than WWE, that's music to their ears. I'm really curious of for the higher end advertisers that are out there that, of course, advertising is going to be a big component of this. uh, Is that what they want to hear? Do they want something that is closer in nature to WWE that have really put forward their ability to be able to attract better advertisers, especially over the life of this most recent uh, TV deal. I I think that's kind of an interesting question of how the advertising community views a professional wrestling product that is not WWE. A great question. I mean, you know, you guys and your listeners are very educated, smart pro wrestling fans. You, You know, your stuff inside and out, you know, my, I say, I've said this before. My wife doesn't know what AEW is. She knows what WWE is, right? And why does that matter? It really doesn't. But the point is, you not only have to, when you're an advertiser, you're not just looking for the best wrestling and the smartest wrestling fans. It's not about that. It's about to appealing to whoever your specific demographic is or sometimes across multiple demographics. So, look... They need to be, advertisers want something mainstream, right? Of course, they want to be attached to a hip, cool brand, and AEW is that. So I don't want to discount that. But generally speaking, they want adults 18 to 49 with disposable income watching. That's what they want. So, and they want the most of them as humanly possible. So they will take that any way they get it. I don't really, truly think they care whether the wrestling's better than WWE or not or or, or what it is. They just need to hit their targets. And, and generally speaking, it kind of depends on the channel and the time slot and so on and so forth. Generally speaking, the money is in adults 18 to 49. So if they're able to bring in, if AEW on TNT is able to bring in a bunch of adults 18 to 49 and anywhere near what WWE brings in, I think the, ha- you know, the media buyers, the advertisers, I think everybody ends up being happy. If the you know overall viewership total is smaller, you know, significantly smaller than people maybe want or, or, or they would like, which probably means the 18 to 49s are smaller, then kind of nobody's happy. Mm-hmm. How much of, of this particular deal uh, is factored into, you know, um, uh, TNT's plans with BR Live? And, and um, you know, there's been talk that uh, perhaps ratings are not as much of a factor as perhaps you know just gaining an audience so that you could the, the company could potentially you know use AEW to help gain an audience for BR Live. It's a smart point. It's a good point. I mean, look, on a weekly basis, 
you need to make your advertising nut. You need to bring in what you need to bring in to continue to bring in advertising dollars. But you're absolutely right. You know, smart companies and huge companies, which Turner is now part of a gigantic company people may have heard of called AT&T, like they have money to lose. And it is okay to lose money on a platform like BR Live for the future, for the long haul, to make yourself essential so that when you, me, and all of our buddies and whoever else, you know, in 10 years from now are, are, are picking our, you know, our entire television portfolio, because maybe there's no such thing as cable and, and bundles anymore, that BR Live is one of them. So in this case, it's a little bit unclear because BR Live, my understanding is that it's going to be doing the pay-per-views for now. Uh, I don't know how much of a presence AEW will have on there beyond the pay-per-views. So I'm not really sure how to answer that, or at least I don't want to give an answer that may end up being, you know, a terrible answer. Um, but yeah, look, you, know, you don't have to make money right away. You have to make yourself essential. Netflix didn't have to make money right away. It just had to make itself so essential that you, me, and everybody we've ever met has Netflix. So that's kind of the challenge of, of new technology, of new streaming platforms is, you know, you're competing for eyeballs and you kind of worry about profitability down the road. Uh, just uh, given it is uh, is upfront season, of course, uh, Fox and NBCU had their, their presentations this week. Um, just kind of uh, your overall assessment this week of WWE's position in the market at the moment. They are going you can watch their programming right now. They're certainly being very reactive, I feel, to their uh, their to their recent television declines. But uh, how would you just just following the company uh, assess where WWE's place is at the moment in the market? Well, look, WWE is number one. I mean, you know, it is what it is. There's, there, there is no competition. AEW is, is an upstart that will be starting as a television show, and still we're, we're months away from that. So, you know, WWE is in an interesting position. They're in a position of power that almost always, with the exception of some of the Monday Night Wars, of course, been in the position of power. But now they have some real competition, and it is coming. And WWE's earnings weren't great. For the first quarter of 2019, and their ratings aren't doing great. So, you know, in no way do I want to paint a picture of WWE as this, you know, on you know, you can't slay the dragon that is WWE. You can. It's just going to take a long time and a lot of money. And and, and you know, it, it is going to be. They're not a monopoly, but they're damn close, and they've been damn close for a very long time. So. I would say they are certainly in position number one and position number two is still kind of empty and AEW is a few positions down, but they're, they're not unbeatable. And I think they kind of are starting to realize that. So, you know, a few more bad quarters of earnings and, you know, a lot more AEW, things could start getting interesting. You might start seeing the Monday night wars again, but you know, if I'm being totally candid and totally honest with you guys, I don't actually expect that to happen for quite a while. I just hope that uh, at the WWE corporate headquarters in Stanford, they are taking it pretty seriously because, you know, look, they should be. My last question for you, Tony, is, is more so maybe about, you know, your your coverage of, of wrestling in general. As somebody who covers not just wrestling but also entertainment, I'm kind of curious to see, to hear from you on, on perhaps has there been a, a, a more a bigger growth in, in attention for wrestling stories as com- in compa- as compared to maybe some other entertainment stories? And really, what's been your personal experience covering this story uh, from the reaction that you've heard? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I'll answer that with a very quick anecdote. Years ago, when I was just a lowly TV reporter at The Wrap, 
uh, I wrote a couple of stories about pro wrestling, um, about, you know, some deals that were happening, that sort of thing. And my bosses, who are now wrestling fans, because these are, you know, big movie buffs and so on and so forth, you know, they were like, well, what are you doing? Why are you writing this? It's not us. It's not us. And I was like, look, it's a TV show. It has a big TV presence. It is what it has pay-per-views. It has its own streaming network. Let's let's give this a shot. Lo and behold, you know, those stories got a lot of traffic or did well or got a lot of pickup. And suddenly I'm allowed to write about anything wrestling, you know, as it relates to TV, generally speaking, as I can, right? So what I'm saying there is there is a crazy appetite for wrestling content on the web. And that is both good and bad. Because the reason it's, it's good, because as a wrestling fan myself, I love to read other people's stories. Uh, I like to have an outlet to write about wrestling because I enjoy writing about wrestling and so on and so forth. The, the fervent, just the, the crazy, uh, you know, <laughs> over-the-top, passion let's call it that i'm going to say passion of the fans of wrestling twitter boy have i felt that these couple of weeks I, i've not um, experienced any of this tony this is all new to me i have never i've never experienced yeah, no, I, any I, of this. I, one day I'll, I'll 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 send you some screenshots <laughs> again, i know it's totally foreign to you um so anyway to kind of answer your question a little directly if i'm able to actually yes, do please. that uh yes these stories uh, do quite well, even though we are not a wrestling website, because wrestling blogs and social media are just so, so into getting their wrestling news. And I'm very proud and happy and grateful to be a tiny, teeny, small part of that community. I would never pretend to know more than a dedicated wrestling reporter. Some of these guys are my favorite follows on Twitter. Some of them are my favorite people to talk to. These are the kinds of conversations I enjoy more than talking about general TV, which is what I do. So I'm I'm glad to be a small part of the community, uh, and and now I'm starting to uh, to learn, you know, just how hyped up this community is about their wrestling, and, and I can appreciate that as a fan. Hey, I, I've got to uh, address uh, the big the big one. You were at the CW Upfront this week. And my personal question is, is what is in store with Riverdale in season four? Are you a Riverdale viewer? And is this, I mean, to me, Wednesday nights, get ready, AEW. You're going against the juggernaut of Archie Andrews and company. <laughs> the juggernaut that is Riverdale. Uh, I think they'll be okay competing with Riverdale. Um, actually, it's, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if Riverdale viewership will have a lot of crossover with AEW, both in terms of its, you know, numbers and in terms of its age group. Uh, I am not a Riverdale fan. I got to tell you, one of my TV reporters, her name is Jenny Moss. You should follow her on Twitter. She knows everything about Riverdale. She just wrote another thing about Riverdale, you know, talking to the EP and everything like that. You, I'll, we'll I have to have her on. I finally learned. Who, yeah, please do. <laughs> uh, she's great. I learned out who I learned who Katie Keene was today, and she is. Uh, I saw the trailer for the the new Katie Keene, which I guess is a spinoff. Uh, I'm a little too old. I'm 37. And uh, she can sew. There's a lot of sewing in that show. So if, if you are a fan of Riverdale and of the Archie comics and of Lucy Hale and of sewing, Katie Keen is the show for you. Who, how, how many upfronts did you, did you, have you gone to uh, throughout all, all of these presentations? Has it been quite a few? Um, this year? No. I mean, I went to, uh, I don't know, five this week, six this week. You know, the upfronts now have extended. They start so early, and, and, you know, especially the streaming platforms, they call them the new fronts. 
And I'm in New Jersey. You know, I'm happy to go to New York for these things, but I also have to pick and choose uh, my time. So I avoided pretty much all of the upfronts up until this week. And, uh, you know, this week just ends up being, uh, it's just such a, a whirlwind of activity. Once the broadcast guys come around, and in the case of, you know, Turner, Warner Media come around, which they've always been this week, it is, uh, it's a pretty crazy, hectic week. Well, Tony, you've been very generous with your time. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us, uh, giving us a lot of insight into this deal. Uh, I think you've done a lot of great reporting on this story, so it was really great to uh, connect with you and, and have you on the show, and I, I hope we can do it again sometime in the future. All right, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank that you, was Tony. Tony Maglio, who you can follow at Tony Maglio on Twitter. Follow all of his work at therap.com. And I, I thought that was a lot of great, great insight into, into this deal and you know, obviously, when you have something of this level, there's going to be a lot of questions uh, moving forward. And ultimately, it's it's not going to be decided in week one or week two. This is going to be something that is it was very clear at the upfronts that AEW was not like just a small little program we're adding here. Like they put they put their muscle behind introducing this this professional wrestling outfit into their platform into their schedule and in prime time no less yeah i think we're only scratching the surface and uh we actually want to hear from everybody so uh if you have an opinion on what's going on with AEW, uh phone lines are open right now 1-732-800-4423 long distance charges may apply but uh if you call us on skype just search for post wrestling and that is always free so uh, give us a call. Let us know what you think of AEW on TNT. Yeah. Um, a few news and notes that we should get to before we chat about Money in the Bank. Uh, starting off with Ric Flair. So TMZ had a story this morning about Ric Flair that they had reported was rushed to hospital Thursday morning after suffering a medical emergency that they classified as, quote, very serious. And, you know, just by coincidence, uh, Conrad Thompson was hosting a conference call at one o'clock Eastern time to promote StarCast. So this story breaks just prior. And he addressed this at the beginning of the call. Um, and this is Mike Johnson's report. During a media call to promote StarCast this afternoon, Ric Flair's son-in-law, Conrad Thompson, said that Ric Flair underwent a scheduled surgery today and that while he appreciates the concern, it is not nearly as serious as the TMZ story has made the situation out to be. He made it clear this was a procedure that Flair needed and made the decision to have it before his trip to Las Vegas as opposed to waiting until after the gathering. Thompson said he would not comment further and said that was for Rick and his wife to decide to comment on his medical details. When the news, you know, story came out from TMZ, it was certainly incredibly concerning. And I think, you know, hearing something like that from Conrad, who is son-in-law, um, I think... Was Vastly it, different levels of, um, I, I guess, emergency attached to them. Uh It was alleviating, certainly. Yes, um, certainly you, you, you hope that, yeah, Conrad's story is the... the that it's not as, um, as serious as TMZ made it out. As to a be. family member, I, I would per, I would probably take Conrad's, you know, certainly uh, a case more so than TMZ's. Nonetheless, it, it doesn't mean that you know it's not a serious operation. Um, so yeah, we don't know. We right? don't know much so about it. That's yeah. I mean, all we can do is uh, relay what public information there is. But obviously, we wish the best for Ric Flair, whatever issue he's going through. Yeah, you want to so, take a call? Yeah, let's take a call. Hey, David, how's it going? Hey guys, uh, David from Israel here. Hello, David. David from Israel. Yes, can you tell Porgus? Is that the right pronunciation? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Porgus. I actually yeah spelled it out for you because my name gets misspelled so often. Wonderful. What time well, is it? Welcome, over there? welcome to my world, John Pollack here for you. <laughs> what yeah, time? What uh, time is it? It's 10 p.m. and I'm uh, 
currently avoiding watching the Eurovision contest that's in here in Israel. So uh, I prefer to talk to you guys instead. <laughs> we'll glad, take it. We're glad you could, you could call. Uh, what's on your mind? Uh, I wanted to talk about the recent creative output by the WWE. Yes. So I just want to ask you guys if you think this current situation of like advertising matches that don't happen and like the, the even building the main event of WrestleMania, having so many um, storyline changes week to week. Is this going to keep happening as long as Vince is in charge? We heard this week reports about Triple H not being satisfied and other people in the company feeling frustrated. Do you think this is maybe the status quo or are things going to be able to change or or not? I don't think that there's a whole lot of of evidence to suggest that we're going to see a drastic change when it comes to law. There is like plans that are laid out. They have long-term ideas. The The issue is always kind of sticking with those plans. And I think it's going to be a case of, well, show us that you're able to tell a story for two months and not change course week to week. So mm-hmm. I'm not holding my breath that it's, it's going to change. This is a, this is a very, a company that is led right at the top by someone who makes extreme changes and every week to week decision is very fluid. Are we going through a period right now though, where Vince is changing his mind a lot more often than we've seen in the past? Was this always the case? Was it the case, you know, in, in the attitude era? Was it the case in, in the eighties, in, in the nineties? I think that it's a case that it's accelerated at the moment because you're trying to achieve multiple objectives at the moment you see these declines and i think they're immediately trying to do a a bandage instead of you know performing real surgery on the on this program and its presentation you're also going to have the other side um of the company that is just strictly looking at the fact hey don't we're already at the top of these cable numbers we don't want to see drastic changes that are going to compromise what is in our mind working like there is until a position like they're in right now, where I be, I think their number one spot is somewhat being threatened. This is this is the best analogy I'm going to be able to come up with is that if this were the month of March, okay, way, and you and I are running the Toronto Maple Leafs and we've got seventy points yeah. and we're looking at okay, we can probably if we go into the trade deadline and acquire one or two players, we're going to have to maybe sell off some futures, but we can get into the playoffs and that means playoff revenue. Are we going to go to the second or third round? That's debatable, but we can get one slot versus do we give up on our bigger veteran talent and mm-hmm. stri- and strictly build for the future? And they and it's not so much a talent issue, more so as a philosophical decision that they have to make that we could make concrete changes today that are not going to pay off for 12 months from now when this programming truly takes form. You might not see that audience uh, return immediately Uh, and we might have even losses at the beginning and they're looking at week to week that we've got to have our numbers at a certain level and that doesn't give you a whole lot of leeway to make drastic changes when you're just throwing all these band-aids on any further thoughts david uh yeah i think one of my biggest problems currently with wwe is that as a viewer someone who watches either nxt or um, even raw and smackdown you dedicate so many hours of your week to this product and I don't feel long-term uh, you're being rewarded for watching the show because they continually ignore continuity or maybe they call up some, like the, the stuff like the War Raiders, they call them up and they change their name 
and you follow these guys in NXT and you've grown the connection to them and you like them and then they completely change their gimmick or completely change their name. It feels like they don't have really any creative vision for most of the people that they come up. Triple H used to say they won't call anyone up if they don't have a concrete plan six months ahead for them. These days they seem like you should just come up and then uh, just float around on the main roster and not doing anything. What is Ruby Riot doing? What is Liv Morgan doing right now? They don't seem like they're doing anything. I think this whole stretch of recent NXT call-ups dating back to, you know, um, yeah, dating back to, I would say, January, it really has exposed a, a, a terrible, I would say, uh, relationship of communication between NXT and main roster WWE, or at least the people that are in charge, and, and how plans to you know follow through from one to the next seem to be completely either forgotten about or given multiple false starts without any type of real uh idea of you know uh, long term how they're going to do um I, I i but i think it's also important to think about how vince mcmahon probably looks at nxt though i don't think vince mcmahon looks at any nxt as anything more than how he used to look at ovw or FCW. They are just, you know, a place for him to dra draft raw talent out of. And then from that point on, he will look at whatever talent comes up and think about what he sees fits best in terms of character, in terms of name, in terms of anything for these guys without much respect for what took place before. And remember with OVW, I mean, they didn't want OVW on, like they had local TV there, but they did not want them on any kind of big, big platform because they, they, they wanted them to be learning in front of a small audience also, and being seen for the first time he, on the main roster. He also didn't have a network to fill content with. It's it's a different it's a different era. Uh, David, we got to run. We're getting some other calls, but thank you very much for calling in tonight. Thank you guys. Have a good one. Thanks, David. All right. Um, do I keep going with calls? Phone lines are open, uh, so yeah, just keep uh, keep calling us. Um, we can get into Money in the Bank, but uh, the WWE has confirmed Alexa Bliss not medically cleared to compete at Money in the Bank. I don't think they've officially announced a replacement, but I've been led to believe it will be Nikki Cross, which... It only I mean, makes sense. Yeah, exactly. It makes you wonder if that was planned from, from Monday. Um, it's. I think that there probably was a likelihood huh. of that. Interesting. Uh, all right, we have uh, our next caller, Chris from LA. What's up? Hey, what's up, guys? Let me turn this off so uh, I don't get pro. any feedback. No, How's no, it going, It's like guys? you've never called into a radio show before, Chris. I know, right? Man, what's wrong with me? <laughs> hey, Chris, you you were uh, you were really great on the Kings of Sport last week. I really enjoyed the discussion about Leo Rush. I was I was putting it over on. Uh, actually, I think I'll mention it on Rewind Away tomorrow. I have a feeling. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Just I, I've I've been in that sports culture for so long, and it it never makes any sense to me. But um, I'm in the academic side of things now, and it's it's as tribal, if believe it or not. No, it was, um, I, I thought it was great points by you and Marcus uh, back and forth. I thought it was a really yeah. good discussion. So I encourage people to check that out. Kings of Sport on Patreon. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, I had a question, though, and this and this is a serious question. I even tweeted it. Um, oh, and I'm also um, going to miss you guys at um, StarCast and um, Double or Nothing this this week. So um, oh, we're, 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 we're not going to be there. So we'll we'll miss everyone yeah, as so, well. Yeah. Are, are, oh, sorry. Are yeah, you so, uh, you meant you are going. I'm going. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'm gotcha. Miss you gotcha. Guys we'll miss there, you so too. Hopefully, next next time. Next time. Uh, but yeah, I had a question about Lars Sullivan. Yes. Um, I'm a full I'm a full believer 
that people can change. I don't think that because you made mistakes at 25, that that's who you are for the rest of your life. But at the same time, if I am a minority on that roster, right. I would not feel comfortable working with this guy who has those thoughts manifesting somewhere in the recesses of his mind um, and, tr- and trusting him with my body on such a grand stage. Is that too much to ask or, or am I no. overthinking this or what? No, I, and I think it's a part of this equation that doesn't get brought up enough is the and and i kind of i I discussed this on one of our shows this week is kind of the the reaction of the locker room and there may be many guys there who they've been around this guy and they're willing to vouch for him that this is a, a guy that does not reflect the horrible comments that this guy put out a number of years ago i don't know that for a fact though um Reports have suggested he he has apologized to, to several people in the back. But I think ultimately it is the locker room, I think, should have a voice in this of who we are allowing in here. And if you are someone that would be on the receiving end of those insults, I think it's bullshit that you would have to be dealing with that stuff in your place of business uh, through no fault of your own that someone is in this locker room that may have those thoughts against you. How do you measure the temperature of an entire locker room? Do you have to have like what do you do? I I would certainly want to want to talk to people that I, I, I would what, at least want to know of the voice of them and not just simply say well we're gonna we're gonna police this ourselves and well let's say one person had has issue with it but the rest are okay with it. What does that mean? I I feel that it's, you, it's a complicated issue. Is no, I'm and I'm not saying yes. that. So. But Chris, I mean, personally speaking, if you were one of those members of the locker room, what would it take for you to trust this guy again? I, I would need to see some serious rectification, man. <laughs> it, it, I, could, it, I couldn't just – and I, I deal with this in my own life. I have friends who have said um, the most ignorant, racist, horrible stuff in my presence. Um, and, I, you know, I've still managed to keep – somewhat of a friendly relationship with them. With that said, I wouldn't trust these guys in front of my family or something like that. Um, I can't speak to being a professional wrestler, but I would not, I would not feel comfortable working with this guy, especially after the first round I thought was bad enough when they, when they came out and when was it November or something? And I was like, okay, yeah, this dude is a little out there, but he's probably trolling. And then when I saw this this next batch of comments, I'm like, my God, man, this, this dude, you know, those thoughts, it, it's one thing if you accidentally say the wrong thing, you say the N-word or whatever, that's one thing. But when you're when you're saying thoughts like this, th- there's a th- there's a manifestation that's there. It's not just a, a Freudian slip of the tongue, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I we should also mention, uh, you know, John alluded to uh, reports of, of uh, you know, Lars uh, having interactions with various people backstage. Titus O'Neil has tweeted out saying Lars at Lars WWE. I applaud you for seeking out myself and others on the WWE roster to not only sincerely apologize, but also seek guided guidance as to how to move forward in being a better human being than you were nine years ago. Nobody is perfect, including thank you, Vince McMahon, for taking action. 
Yes, but he also did not forgive him in that post. He didn't say, I forgive you. Mm -hmm. He said, I want to see, hope to see change out of you. And I think, People I think that's the best that. that I think that's the best that Dylan Miley can hope for. I mean, it's it's one thing. Yeah. I I'm glad he's apologetic, but you're ultimately going to have to display that to these people. To um, you know, this is a, this is an industry that is very much built upon trust, trust in the ring, trust with me yes. putting your body into your into your hands. You are controlling uh, my my health out there in the ring, so I've got to have that trust in you, and that's going to be something yeah. that ultimately the the locker room it's going to be a case by case basis, and you know that's. That's the situation that that Lars finds himself in now. That it's it's not simply you pay this fine and that in this part of your history is erased. It's going to have to be just as actual actions got him into this. Actual actions are going to have to show legitimate remorse. Yeah, that's that's how I say it. This isn't like I said. This isn't some blanket statement, and it's it's almost exactly like the Hulk Hogan stuff, where you didn't say one wrong. Thing. You said what your thought process was. You said you were expressing feelings, not um, emotion or anything. You do you get what I'm saying? Yes, I, I do. I think that it's it it's certainly an area where I think that there's an, a lot of people. You know, speaking of the Hogan case uh, in that locker room that are willing to forgive the guy, but it's. It's got to come from a genuine place. And I think that's ultimately that's not just going to be one speech or one tweet that is going to reverse that. You're that's over time. You're going to have to be able to uh, show that to people. And again, that goes to me being, you know, just looking at, at people that have been around him for the last six years that ha- uh, know him a, a lot better than those on the outside. Um that can speak of his character. And maybe this is someone who legitimately is remorseful and is aware of this mistake. And you you have to go from there. But it's it's not just simply going to be a unanimous yay or nay regarding this guy. Yeah, and, and God, Godspeed to Lars. I, I do. Um, I, I strongly believe that racism and sexism and homophobia and all, any kind of ism, I do think that's a disease. And I hope that he's able to purge if he hasn't already purged those kind of thoughts out of his head, especially if he's going to be working for a company that's touting diversity as much as it is. And and if he's working with the roster as diverse as diverse as it is, because he's a lucky guy. I saw what's the guy's name that the loud mouth that used to be with uh, Tony Atlas. Um, that got fired for that whack ass Kobe joke. Abraham um, Washington. Yeah, that guy. Like he got fired for a Kobe joke, and I saw Titus O'Neil. He, he got suspended for an ungodly amount of time for hugging this dude uh, McMahon it's, on the shoulder. It's like there's no rhyme a, or reason. It's a weird. That's a weird company, in my opinion. But yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I, I've 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 seriously seen Uber drivers and Lyft drivers with more autonomy and agency than wrestlers. And I, you know, I love wrestling, and I you know, I hope that you know they 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 push forth you know necessary change in an, an industry that I love, but is also very very toxic. Great stuff, Chris. Thanks a lot for uh, calling in. We appreciate the insight. Thank thank you, guys. Uh, Peace out, y'all. Great calling in for the first time. Absolutely. Anytime, Chris. Thanks. 
All right. Uh, yeah, uh, great calls so far. Uh, it sounds like we have a few more, so maybe we'll uh, continue to take those as long as they keep coming in. But uh, we will get to our Money in the Bank uh, preview. Uh, but first, caller, what's up? Hey, it's Paul from New Jersey, guys. Hey, hey Paul. Hey, um, you're going to have to forgive me because I did tune in a little late today. I was running some errands. But um, the question that's on my mind and the question I think is on all the postmarks mind is, um, John, did you cut that promo on the dentist's office? <laughs> Uh, you should you should listen to the double shot. This was addressed on the double shot. Um, it's it's actually become a bit more of a uh, complicated issue than I, I think John had anticipated, and therefore I think if any updates are to come, um, you will hear from John. But yeah, um, we'll, we'll have a when it's all resolved. Uh, but we'll but but just to catch you up there, Paul, he he cut a very calm statement, not so much a promo. All right, all right, let's move on. <laughs> no, it's yeah, like we, we know, have a I, ton of calls here. No one cares about this. What's up? Anything uh, else, Paul? Uh, no, that's all I had. Have a good weekend, guys. Okay, right, thanks, Paul, man. Thanks a lot. Uh, this thing has, has grown into a... No, I'm just I'm looking. We, we have a lot I want to cover here, and I don't think anyone yeah, cares about yeah. a stupid car story. Okay, uh, up next, caller. Oh, there we go. Oh, maybe you're Let calling the take call. take that. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Wait for this thing to load. And... Uh, We'll t- maybe just take one more call before we go to our money in the bank sure. review. Uh, hey, caller, what's up? Hey, guys, this is uh, Jay from Colorado. Hey, Jay. Happy to finally get to talk to you guys in voice. Uh, a lot of first-time callers. Yeah, it's... What's uh, up, Jay? Everyone is coming out of the... Uh, not much. The uh, really quickly, just want to dovetail onto Lars' thing. Um, you know, I, I think, the as you guys said, the biggest test is how his coworkers are taking it and how they choose to deal with it. But I think the fine is odd, especially since we don't know where this money is going. Um, essentially, Lars is going to work for free for the next year because I can't imagine his salary was a lot more than 100 k But well, He's not working for free, uh, but it's uh, going to um, be quite the... I don't, uh, you know, they didn't say where that money's going, so it's like, hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's essentially, you know, especially since the WWE, it's been rumored that they knew about this a few years ago. So they're essentially putting 100 k back into their own pockets. Um, that's certainly but, shady. Like the, the, the hundred dollars. I mean, I, I, again, dollars, oh, sorry, hundred thousand dollars. We've kind of talked about it. It's a, <laughs> where, where's the hundred dollars going? <laughs> it's a move to appease the sponsors that are complaining about this. Like that, that, that's it. Everyone something. like this is, it's very transparent that they listen. If they get a pressure from a sponsor, they have to act on it to point to say we addressed this. That's that's what this is. Everyone knows what this is, but I think it's a it's a worthwhile question of where does this hundred thousand dollars go? This is hardly a make or break amount for the WWE. That it's something that very easily can just be said that it is going to X, Y, and Z outreach programs uh, that we wholeheartedly support. Which would be cool if, if that's what they do, um, but you know we may never know. The, the main reason I was calling tonight is, is just to talk about how excellent the Dark Side of the Ring series is. Mm-hmm. Anyone who's listening, if you haven't seen it yet, the Fabulous Moolah episode last night was just insanely good. Uh, did you guys watch it yet? Yes. We did a review about it, in fact. No oh, one listens to I our Double it. Shot show. We do that on Wednesday <laughs> nights, everybody. Uh, so I missed that, so i got to go back and listen to that just to throw my thoughts on it. Um, during the Wendy Richter Mula match, that was actually the first women's match I remember watching as a kid. Oh, and what an introduction! I really remember it because um, it was uh, when uh, you know Cindy Lauper was really big and Goonies was out, and you know I was just getting into wrestling, and you know it, it just brought back that feeling of how special that was, even though I didn't know at the time. But um, I thought the documentary was excellent. It really left me. I went into it thinking 
being on the side that Mula wasn't the best person in the world. But now I definitely either I, I'm kind of in the middle. I'm not I'm not really sure what to think, but I'm glad they provided both sides of the story and they did it so eloquently and mindfully in that show with with just amazing interviews, especially that girl yelling at her or the uh, princess uh, Victoria. Oh, yeah. Victoria, I'm sorry. I had to go back and watch that a few times. Thank you so much for the for the call, Jay. We're going to have to move on a Thanks, little guys. bit here, but glad we got you. Thank you. Um, a lot of people have been uh, asking me. I've seen this asked about like where you can watch Dark Side of the Ring, and I think people aren't aren't so much aware that uh, Viceland.com actually carries these shows the day after. So uh, Are right, those geo-blocked? I can get it in Canada right now. Okay. So, well, there you uh, go. And uh, I imagine that's where the wrestlers will be as well. Uh, I don't don't have confirmation on that yet, but uh, I'm I'm seeing all these six episodes of the Dark Side of the Ring right now on Viceland.com. So at, if, at the very least, if you're in Canada, I assume if you're in the U.S. as well, you can watch them here. All right, let's do another call. One more call, last one. Hello, caller. How are you doing? Oh, how are you? Oh my uh, God! How did he? Of course, <laughs> I, I debated answering Jesus. it, and I I made the wrong choice. How are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Uh, better than the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> uh, Actually, they, I, I, I was told they were going to win in seven. <laughs> so I, 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 I expected told, I told the Raptors to be done by now. Night? You're what? what the last night, man. What, well, I, I had money on the... <laughs> listen, the Raptors... Don't, don't you know how Toronto sports teams work? The Toronto Blue Jays. World Series. Game one. They lost to the Braves. Game one against the Philadelphia Phillies. I think they lost that game. I don't know. It's been a long time. <laughs> we like comebacks. How, what's the prediction? Uh, I had them in seven. The Raptors in seven? Yeah. Oh, so the wow. Bucks are going to win. How many bounces <laughs> on the net this time before it goes in for the buzzer beater? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, well, anyway, it'll be so cold, bro. Come on. What is on your mind, Brandon? <laughs> Kevin Lee or RDA on Saturday? Oh, uh, RDA. That is more discipline than, than Kevin Lee. Alrighty. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to chat about, Brandon? Yeah, real quick. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I'm trying your patience. I apologize. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, I got nothing. I'm out of here. Oh, Brandon. <laughs> Come on. All right. Thanks, Brandon. I, oh my God. I am requesting it now. The next time I miss a show. I won't, nope. I won't wait to review that a show is, with, with Brandon. That's not happening. That's my dream team. That is not happening. Uh, money in the bank. Okay. Money in the bank. Uh, actually, let's uh, just a, a few other notes here. Um, the Telegraph out of the UK is reporting that the WWE's UK television package could be going uh, to BT Sport. They're reporting that yes. it's happening. Uh, BT Sport is also the home of the UFC in the UK. So that's a major shift, leaving Sky Sports and going to BT Sport. Uh, WWE had wanted to announce their UK deal uh, quite a while ago, so it's it's up at the end of the year. So this is uh, a pretty significant move for the WWE uh, going to BT Sports. So that's a story certainly we'll follow, and uh, I'm certain that we will be discussing that as it uh, if it becomes official. Uh, okay, let's go now to Money in the Bank. We have got 11 matches lined up for Sunday. Do you want to start at the top or the bottom? Let's start at the bottom. Let's start with the kickoff and move our way up. Okay, I was. Uh, I was just deferring there as I pull up this card. Tony Nese versus Aria Davari. Ooh, all right. Cruiserweight championship match. Now, it's listing this is on the kickoff now. So mm-hmm. uh, that would make sense. That would make sense that we're going to get two matches on the kickoff. Um, yeah. 
I haven't been following 205 Live, I'm sorry to say. Uh, but I'm sure the match will be great. I don't know if it's going to be great. I think it'll be good. Um, as I look at this card, I think there could be a lot of really good matches. And mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to be won by the end of the night that anyone's going to remember. Um I'll say Tony Nese retains, I guess. Um, I think so as well. I think it's going to be all, I, I think it'll be good. I'm not going to, sure. I'm not going to go out on a limb and say great, but we'll, we'll see. Daniel Bryan and Rowan, the SmackDown tag team champions are taking on Raw's The Usos mm-hmm. without the titles on the line. So I don't know why this match is happening. Um, I think it's just a way to get both recognizable names on the show. You know, it's a way to get Daniel Bryan on the show now that he's healthy. It's a way to get the Usos on the show. They have somewhat of a feud. They probably didn't want to cash in on any, you know, real rivalry yet. And Rowan's going to pin one of them. I don't know. I do. I mean... You think you think Bryan or Rowan are taking a fall here? Not necessarily. It doesn't mean they either of them or anybody even has to take a fall. I mean, I'm just thinking about the Usos and the fact that they've already lost once to this Well, team. one of them just got... Jimmy just got pinned by Shane on television. I know. So they're, they're going into this with uh, without momentum. Uh, unless this is the tag program you're... Like, God knows there are they, no tag teams on SmackDown for Brian and Rowan to feud with. Oh, how could they justify having the Usos on... I mean, the, the truth is there's nobody else on SmackDown. Like babyface tag teams. Yeah. Um. So... Can the Usos win and then get another title match? I could see that happening. So I'm going to go with the Usos. Okay. I'll say Brian and Rowan. Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio for the United States title. Everyone assumes Dominic is going to be involved. And I'm imagining we're going to get whatever was what was planned for WrestleMania. I would think so as before well. Before the ankle injury. Yeah, I would think so as well. I mean, you know, it remains to be seen how much involved Dominic will be. Uh, Rey Mysterio's... Put it out there that he's been training. Lifts dad up on the shoulders he's and been, boom, Triple H, Batista. He's been somewhat threatened. Or Orton, Batista. He's been somewhat threatened uh, by by Samoa Joe. I I anticipate this to be a much, obviously, a better match than the WrestleMania encounter. And will it end with a Dominic spot? Uh, great question. And What do you think? I think Dominic has to get involved somehow. I would have... I think there should be some physicality with Joe attacking Dominic or doing something after. Whether uh, maybe he loses the title and then he gets his heat back by laying out Dominic. I certainly, you know, they've already done. They've done. I feel. I feel like a couple. I, maybe I'm wrong, but they did the WrestleMania match. This will be their second match. I feel like they will drag this out for at least one more. So, um, I believe Samoa Joe will win this with Dominic. If I'm not mistaken, uh, the next pay per view is on father's day okay so oh yeah perfect Let, let's uh let's confirm this because well that, no it, that to me is uh i actually don't expect the dominic turn then i think ray will team up with dominic on father's at day. extreme rules yeah on father's day and joe will bring his dad to team with as well so we'll have a father and son oh I, i'm wrong i'm wrong okay whatever it's, it's not it's uh they actually, uh, the June pay-per-view is the following week. Sorry, I thought Extreme Rules was next. Extreme Rules is in July, so there's no Father's Day pay-per-view. Oh, so Joe's retaining and this feud's over. No, I, I think the feud continues, <laughs> though. My, my prediction stands. I, I think you're going to get the slow burn with Dominic. He's not just going to turn, you know, for for no like for a minor reason. It won't be as effective. I think you will at least see one tag team match between father and son before you get the evil Dominic. The Miz versus Shane McMahon in a steel cage match. Uh, I imagine they're going to brawl all over the arena. Uh, for 15 minutes, and it'll either start in the cage and they'll exit, or they'll end it in the cage. But I think very little is happening in the cage. I mean, it'll 
we've seen the Hell in a Cell match uh, Shane had with the Undertaker, and and it was one of the worst Hell in a Cell matches because so much of it took place inside the cage. No, there's even less you can do in here. Yeah, um, I I feel though they will have a lot of weapons in there. Um, I hopefully they will have a, a number of creative spots that you Bobby know, Lashley gets involved. Yeah, they'll probably do all that stuff. Elias, uh, of course, is is well, I guess he's got his own match, but yeah, whoever will get involved. I, I don't know if they'll be brawling that much outside of the ring. I think that's just too much of a cop-out. I think you will see a big spot. You might see somebody, Shane, fall through a table from the cage. Something crazy like that. And I think by the end of it, people will have forgotten about maybe the terrible stuff inside the ring if we see a big Shane jump, like most Shane matches. It seems designed for Shane to win here, but I think given the fact that he won at WrestleMania and they are really going with the Miz as this babyface that he should win this match. It has to be the Miz. He already lost at Mania, like you said. Um, this this was a man who teched his father, so it has to be the Miz. Does the father get involved? Not this time around. Why are they not doing a pay-per-view on Father's Day this year? <laughs> There's so many great ideas. They don't want to put dads in the ring. Becky Lynch, uh, let's go through both matches. First of all, which one, where do you position these on the show, does I mean, one open? Obviously, obviously, Lynch versus Flair is the more anticipated bout. I think you start off with with Lynch versus Evans. Yeah, give Becky enough time to to rest in between, and I don't anticipate. Could Becky and Charlotte go on last over Rollins mm-hmm. and AJ? No, it's not hot enough. I I think the Money in the Bank ladder match ends. Personally. I think it depends how you have that match scheduled to end. If you want to do a cash in, that's mm-hmm. something to end the show with something big. Yeah, I will tell you personally for my 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 own kind of personal interest. I, I'm most interested in the men's money in the bank ladder match, and I put AJ versus Seth second. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see. Like you are coming off of WrestleMania, where that was such a big thing um, that I could see them putting Becky on last. Yeah, I just don't see the crowd being as as interested this time around. We've already seen uh, this same match just a month ago in the main event, but in a higher profile spot with a more high profile star uh, star in Ronda Rousey attached to it. You're kind of getting a lesser version of that that's not as hot. But who do you think uh, takes it between uh, Becky and Lacey? Um, I, I said earlier, I feel that Becky goes through Charlotte and they have a th- this war. Um, let me think about this. I think th- I think there's two scenarios. I think you could either do Becky and Charlotte first, and it's the big 20-plus minute match, and Becky goes in weakened against Lacey Evans, which could give you the out to have Lacey beat Becky, but it's a, it's a weakened version of Becky Lynch. Or you could do the cash-in where she gets through both, and in that... In that way, I would flip them, and I would put Becky Charlotte at the end of the show with the cash-in as your closing scene, where the woman that wins the briefcase beats Becky, who has just gone through two opponents, and then gets the title. Uh, it's cashed in. If the idea is to... I mean, any cash-in that I think occurs would probably end the show. Uh, maybe not necessarily. They, they've kind of done that in the past, but... I, I would personally start with Becky versus Lacey and just, you know, let this be a good showcase for Lacey Evans, have it have it be, you know, nice and even, but then ultimately have Becky win before going on into, an, I think, a more unbelievable spot for Becky to lose in the match with Charlotte. Whether or not Charlotte takes it, um, it's it's kind of, I think it's 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 just, a, it's a bit more suspenseful that way. Um, but I would go with Becky over Lacey and then... Hmm. 
I guess ultimately Charlotte over Becky or Becky over Charlotte. I'm, I'm kind of undecided. So let's go to the women's money in the bank match because that kind of plays into yeah. how this goes. So Natalia, Dana Brooke, Naomi, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, Carmella, and at the moment, TBA. Expected Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. I I have heard nothing regarding like an update on Sasha Banks that I'm sure people would speculate on, but I'm led to believe it will be Nikki Cross that's in that spot. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I've I, I I'm expecting Big things from a lot of the women here uh, as a way to kind of really showcase their abilities, uh, certainly from somebody like like a Dana Brooke, who seems to have a bit of a, a chip on her shoulder and and certainly has somewhat the favor of the of the production, wanting to give her a lot more airtime, giving her a, pro- a spot like this. It's a spot for her to really impress her doubters. So I'm, I'm looking forward to her performance. Um, Mandy Rose is always, you know, kind of seems to be bubbling up on, on the surface of like, you know, really. I think she's through. one of the favorites to win it. Yeah, um, Ember Moon, of course, as well, even though, you know, storyline-wise, she really seems to have nothing. I think she's going to get similar to what we got with with Becky last year, where everyone was hot for her, but she's not going to win. Let me ask you this. If you were to do the cash cash in, which is naturally a heel spot, who fits in this? Honestly, I'm looking at it, and and it might just be Mandy Rose. Or Bailey? They could also do, uh, let's let's say it is Nikki. And she gives it to Alexa. I mean, I think the audience would be really upset by that. But I don't think they. I don't think even th- know if they would be able to do that. But I. I have. To... Bailey is also one. Yeah. Like if you're going to turn her, that's an option to do it. And there's also the argument like don't don't do the cash in that night and and blow what could be something played out for a long period of time. Which so you're playing out a scenario where Bailey might hypothetically win and then cash in during the Ronda versus Charlotte match. The, uh, oh, sorry, the Becky, Becky Charlotte Becky match. Charlotte match. I'm, I'm saying if you wanted to turn her, that's an easy way to do it. I don't think the audience would boo her at all. Maybe I mean, not. They would, they would start cheer cheer for Bailey. Maybe that's what Bailey needs. You know, maybe that's the shot in the arm she needs. Yeah, she's kind of just floating at the moment, and it seems that you know they. I, I don't think they. Re- she just feels in a holding pattern without yeah. Sasha and needs to do something one way or the other. I feel like you could certainly discount um Natalia from winning. Yeah. I don't see I don't see Dana winning. You know, this will be maybe a good showcase for her, but I don't think she's near that level yet. Not Carmella, Carmella I don't see winning. I mean, I, I to be honest, like Nikki winning and Alexa believing like that's yeah. her briefcase. She's the, just she's a surrogate participant. Yes. And the way she claimed the victory on Monday on Raw, even though Nikki But where are we back what are we back to? Alexa winning like the championship again on Raw, which is maybe what they want. No, I'm saying that it's it's ultimately a babyface turn for Nikki, who will not hand the briefcase over to Alexa, and that's a good program for her. And then, but at some point, you're going to have to result in a championship to one of those women. And do you think that they see Nikki Cross at that level at this point? Maybe. I don't. Well, I, not today. She's been on TV for a week. That that tells you how little I think they see in her. The fact that she has barely been on TV. Well, would you rather be someone with a fresh slate or someone like a, I don't know, pick out someone here, Natalia, who has been on TV forever, that they're clearly not going with? Well, it wouldn't do be that. But I actually, the more I think about the Bailey idea, I don't think it's such a bad idea at all. At all. She, to me, she has the most upside of anybody here. You've got some options here. Uh, Roman Reigns and Elias, I said this before, I think this should be two minutes on a show this long. You need that two-minute match, and Roman gets a huge reaction. This is not going to be two minutes. Well, I'm going to say that every time there's a long show like this, that one match, it's really nice 
As you've said with the best of the Super Juniors, I think you yeah. would you would get a kick out of one match. Gresham just grabs a guy and submits him in 30 seconds. Oh, yeah. I would love that. I'd love for... That's that. what this show needs. And it guarantees Roman a really solid response. He just kills him. Well, knowing that this is also Roman and Elias, I think... I don't, I don't know if they, they would do two minutes. Seven minutes, maybe. I could see this going 10 to 15. Oh. If it does, it's what they did last year with Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal. Oh. And that died yeah. in front of that crowd. Uh, uh, what else? Kofi Kingston, Kevin Owens for the WWE Championship. Rather cold match, I have to say. You know, I thought I thought the turn started off really well, but then um, it's kind of been forgotten about, to be quite honest with you. So uh, do they continue this for another another month? I, I don't even know if it has enough legs, but I, it would be kind of a shame to just have Kevin Owens turn heel, lose the match, and then not go anywhere after that. I think Kofi ultimately retains, but I feel like this isn't the end of the pro- program. Uh, WWE has officially announced it's Nikki Cross. Okay, great. There you go. Uh, then, uh, you, so you, sorry, you, you're, you're, we're both breaking Kofi to retain? Yeah, Kofi. Yeah. How good of a match do you think this is going to be? I think it'll be quite good. I, I'm curious how it, how it turns out. Um, yeah. I think Owens needs a really big performance. Yes, he does. Yes, and 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 do they extend this beyond this the yes. show? Do they give Owens something like maybe he gets DQ'd? I I do think so because they have so many shows to fill, and this is just kind of starting. And this probably ends up somewhere in the middle of the show. Probably yeah. you would think. Uh, then we go to the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. It is Sami Zayn, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. This should be the match of the night. I think this yeah. is going to I think this could be one of the best money in the bank ladder matches they've had in years. They have all the talent in the world to have something incredible and you know they're going to get 25 minutes. Absolutely. So I mean, I think there's a really high expectation for this just one. Just looking at all the high flyers that are in this match between Ricochet, Ali, Flint, Finn Balor, I I mean, I would even classify Zayn and Andrade as, you know, people who'd be really good in that. And then you have some great bases in in Drew McIntyre, uh Baron Corbin, I you know, Obviously, a Baron Corbin singles match is one thing on Raw, but I think in, in being hidden in, in, amongst the masses with the gimmick la- in in the ladder match like this, he, he can turn out to be very good. So I look forward to this match for everybody's involvement. Uh, my pick, or your pick. Uh, see, I always end up just trying to make... Let's talk about the front runners, okay? Yeah, um, let, let's make a case for each. I don't... Okay, Sami Zayn. No. Not happening. Ricochet, too soon. I don't think, and, and he's. A I don't. Baby I don't face. discount Ricochet. He's also a baby face. I just. This is their style not... that we beat a guy, and then it's the idea. Well, we're giving him something big in a couple of weeks. But let's also remember. I I feel like the money in the bank is most effectively used on somebody who can cut promos. You know, hold the briefcase to cut the promo, unless they cash in immediately, which I don't see them doing with Ricochet. And Ricochet is neither of those things. So, what benefit does he have winning it this way versus? You know, this match is really going to tell you is this guy, um, do they view him as a, I don't even know who he'll the get some great spots. He'll be like a Kofi Kingston, you know? Well, that's the question like here is if this guy is just there for some spots and stuff, he's kind of branded as your Evan Bourne. Yeah. Great talent, but the ceiling is established. And that's what this match might tell you. To start, at least at this point, that's how I think Vince sees him. And this guy could be the most, should be the most spectacular performer of all of these performers, which is saying something. Drew McIntyre, I don't think there's any value to putting the briefcase with him. Because I think he's already there. I don't don't think you need to have him holding this thing. As a way to get him the championship, you know, a fast track, uh, his his way to winning the WWE title. I think it, it, to me, like I could totally see that happening. 
He beat Seth, remember, right before WrestleMania? Right. Shouldn't he have a claim to the title already? Well, so that, 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 that loss meant John, nothing. That's an antiquated uh, thought process. Thought process. <laughs> I just feel, I, I look at this as not only fast tracking a guy, but also it elevates them in the process. And I think Drew's already at the spot you want him at. I don't think. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like over the past month, they've kind of, like the past half year, I feel like they've kind of done, done a number on him. They are going to get so much heat for Baron Corbin teases. In oh this match, God. I think he can yeah. actually be used really effectively because too. you need to have the red herring in these matches of the person no one wants to see win. Mm-hmm. And there's a great value for that in this match. I actually like Baron Corbin being in this match for that very reason. Yes, absolutely. I think they will design spots that will make uh, most effective use of him. Ali. Uh, no chance. No, I don't think Baron Corbin can win either. Um, Finn Balor. I don't see it. I don't see it either. Um, but I do see him ahead of Ricochet, though, if we're if we're yes, uh, putting yes. odds together. Uh, Andrade, I think, has a very strong chance. To me, I think he's the front runner. You know, yeah. given that he has Zelina Vega with him, who I think is, is perfectly suited to hold a briefcase and cut promos for the guy. Yep. I think they see Andrade perhaps, maybe not right now, but at least, you know, within the next year, perhaps on the level, to beat somebody like a Kofi Kingston. Seth Rollins and Andrade, or Seth Rollins... Uh, yeah, let's say Andrade and Seth Rollins having a several month program it's raw he's on smackdown isn't he so <laughs> <laughs> yes wild card um you know andrade and kofi i guess you know kofi does need heel challengers beyond kevin owens um right. and i guess you have daniel bryan in there too so it's not uh it's actually quite a decent amount of heels actually when you look at smackdown with orton in there too so could it be orton i don't like it just because i again i don't feel it's old hat it is, right. and it's like, again, you're not really elevating anyone. You could go to Orton next month as the challenger, and no mm. one will have an issue with it. So what are we saying? Andrade? I think Andrade. I think that... I think uh, Drew's possible to me. Andrade, Drew. Maybe Finn. If, the, if there was the surprise winner, I think that... I mean, you could go with a Ricochet or an Ali, but I'm just, I'm not expecting it. As to me, like, Finn would be the surprise. Yeah, maybe Finn. Yeah, Finn would maybe be that that surprise that you could really see them going with. I got to go with Andrade, though. Okay. Pick one. And then Seth Rollins and AJ Styles for the WWE Universal title. I, I really kind of like this shift with AJ Styles where it's it's not a heel turn, but it's been, he's kind of assumed that role against Seth. I think it's worked, and these guys should have a killer match. It can easily close the show, and you'll also probably be teasing a cash-in as well, which you don't have to deliver, but you can at least tease it with the title match going on last. If it goes on last. I actually, you know, again, I, I do feel like they, they'd like to kind of stack their cards in terms of anticipation, and I feel like they'll end with the men's money in the bank ladder match. So I kind of see this taking place maybe at some point prior, but I think it'll be a great match nonetheless. Um, no reason to put it on AJ right now. But no reason to... I think end this program right now. Like this is a program that I think you can get several matches out of. There's also, I mean, they're in the mode of just doing, doing impactful things on television to jolt their audience. So the idea that we're running with these babyface champions, I could see some drastic booking decisions on this show to try and yeah drive people to Monday night and do something. That's going to get a lot of buzz coming out of the show. So I really I don't rule out anything. Like yeah. if you want to flip the title, if you want to do shoot a big angle, like now is the time to be doing these kinds of things that can really 
jolt your audience. I would say our predictions are definitely a little bit on the safe side. And and we know that they, yeah. you know, definitely like to have at least one or two surprises on the show. So, yeah, I, I could I could see any of these results. Really, I'm looking forward to this show. I think this should be a very good show on Sunday. Yeah, I think so, so too. Like, um, keep Roman Reigns and Elias to two minutes. And this should be a really good card. We'll see. All right, that's going to wrap up the Cafe Hangout. Way and I are going to be back on Friday for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe, which you can sign up for, postwrestlingcafe.com, where we are reviewing WWF's One Night Only from 1997, going through that card headlined by the British Bulldog versus Davy Boy, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith, taking on Shawn Michaels for the European title. Yeah, this was... Um... Way quite, was furious quite the over story. elements of this show. Well, I mean, just to tee it up, I mean, this was the, the match where British Bulldog, under the impression that he was going to win this match, went through uh, the promotion in the UK for this uh, uh, pay-per-view, dedicating the match to his sister who was dying from cancer. And knowing, you know, the result, as some of you might, I don't want to spoil it right now, but let's just say it was less than favorable. Um it made it made for a very frustrating viewing experience, even knowing the result. It also features, uh, to me, a, a hidden classic match between uh, The Undertaker and Bret Hart, which um, doesn't get enough praise for being just a fantastic match, and, and Bret's favorite match he had with The Undertaker. So I urge everybody to at least check that those two matches out if you want to listen to the review. Yeah, so check that out. Really interesting look back uh, in 1997 in the WWF. So check that out. Uh, we'll be back Saturday. Nate Milton has the Rocky Maivia Picture Show covering Doom. And then Sunday night, Way and I are here live doing the Money in the Bank post show. If you're a double-double, ice cap, or espresso member, you can watch the show live and call in. We look forward to everyone's calls after Money in the Bank. Also, Monday, of course, is uh, John's release of uh, his Owen Hart um the 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 last days the final the final day the final day of Owen Hart uh, our our latest uh, post profile audio document documentary um I think everybody will will you know it's it's a very heavy topic um uh, but I I have to say I haven't felt to me like I've I've been as close to like this and gotten like you know as as close of a view of the situation as I had you know. Uh, before listening to John's documentary. He did a wonderful job. Yeah, so we're going to release that on Monday, and then on the Hangout next Thursday. Uh, next Thursday is the actual 20-year uh, mark since Owen Hart passed away. It is May 23rd next Thursday, so we were going to dedicate a large portion of the Hangout to talking about Owen Hart, and I'll also talk about kind of putting together this documentary that's taken up a lot over the past month and that whole process, and I look forward to anyone's feedback on it. And also starting next Thursday, uh, we are going to have segments on the Cafe Hangout with Damian Abraham chatting about the preceding episode of The Wrestlers. So The Wrestlers debuts Wednesday night on Vice uh, on Viceland, and the first episode is covering Evolve and Gabe Sapolsky. It is uh, the future of pro wrestling, I believe is the episode that it's called. So we'll be chatting about that episode with Damian on The Hangout next Thursday. And each Thursday here on The Hangout during the run of the program, Damian will be joining us. So look forward to that uh, on the Cafe Hangout next week. That's it. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll speak with you later on this week. 